0: Thank you. morning in the chapel worshiping. We begin by singing the doxology, and it's number 549, number 549 in the red hymnal, number 549, we sing the doxology together. Verse 703. May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Show a gentle attitude toward all. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers ask God for what you need, always asking Him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 230, Silent Night, Holy Night. Number 230, Silent Night, Holy Night. before the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, your word has always reminded us this morning that in all things we are to come before you with the prayers and the requests that we have in our lives. And Lord, we come before you with those needs, and God, we would ask that as we pray to you that your spirit would speak to us and give us the guidance that we need to have. Give us the discernment and the understanding. And give us the patience that we need to have. Because, Lord, we face so many different challenges on a daily basis. And, God, we ask for your strength and for your special power in our lives, especially as we face those challenges. God, we think of the needs of our friends. Think of the needs of the fellow patients here throughout this medical center. We think of the needs of the staff the family members that will be visiting today. Lord, we lift all of them up to you in prayer. Because, God, you remind us again and again that one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to pray for others. Because in doing so, God, you remind us of the proper perspective that we need to have in our lives. And you remind us of the purpose that we have as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we are so thankful that we have this time for worship We are so thankful that you unite our hearts and spirit in one accord. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 262, The First Noel the Angels Did Say. Number 262. appreciate that. I don't feel so lonely up here when I hear people sing. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning with verse 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God. Lord, you have touched our lives this morning already by the hymns that we have sung, by the scriptures we have read, by the prayers that we have offered in all humbleness. And Lord, I would just ask that you would help me say those things that we all need to hear so that we can draw closer to you as we walk with you each day. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that we like to do as a family is we like to spread out Christmas as many days as we possibly can. And so we actually got together yesterday for the finale of our Christmas celebration. And we had the opportunity to share gifts with all of our children and our grandchildren. And that's always a lot of fun. But you know what? We are prepared in terms of our gift-giving, because we always ask, oh, sometime around November, we ask for that Christmas list that you may want. We ask for that Christmas list that your children may want. So that we're buying gifts that make a connection with the family, whether it's one of our sons or our daughters or one of our son-in-laws or our daughters-in-law or one of our grandchildren. We always want our Christmas gifts to make a very special connection. And it's interesting because you know, each and every one of us give and receive gifts in a different way. Some of us, gifts are not very important. Some of us, the gift of relationship, spending time with each other, is more important than the actual gift. But for others, gifts are very important. And I have to remind myself of that because for me, gifts are nice, but they're not that important. What's important for me is just spending time together and hanging out. And one of our sons, he is very thoughtful in all of his gift-giving that he does. And through the years, we've become aware of that more and more and more. Because one year when he was younger, in his teenage years, he was very thoughtful in all the gifts that he gave to
1: everyone else.
0: And so when he got gifts from other people... He didn't think those gifts were very thoughtful and he was really upset that the gifts that he thought maybe he should have gotten he didn't receive. But yet he made the effort to give very thoughtful gifts to his brothers and sister. And that, and that has always stuck in our minds when we, when we think about that. And so we always remember to give him thoughtful gifts. In fact, he's kind of a Star Wars kind of person, if you know what I'm talking about. He's already gone to the movie twice, you know, he has little things in his office from Star Wars. And one of our daughters-in-law gave him a very thoughtful gift. She actually painted a picture of the Jabba the Hutt hut, you know, when they're on, he's on that planet, you know, that Skywalker goes to to get his final training. And she actually painted the X, the X fighter, I get that right, right, in the swamp that's right next to the hut. So it was kind of cool, and he got that as a gift, and you could tell that he was very touched by the thoughtfulness of the gift and the fact that my daughter-in-law had taken the time to paint that picture for him, which he will hang in his office. When we look at the scriptures that we just read this morning, we are reminded that as we have become followers of Jesus Christ, that we are to take on a new, a new freedom in our relationship and in our walking with God. And a lot of us take on that new freedom in different ways. And again and again and again, I know that the Spirit of God makes connections in a different, special way for each and every one of us. Because all of us are different. Our backgrounds are different. Some of our cultures are different. How we see things in terms of perceiving the world, what our worldview is, as they use that term nowadays, based on our experiences. But God is always trying to make a connection with all of us so that we can have a better and closer relationship with him. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you have done. And the scriptures make that very clear, that no matter what we have done in our lives, that those things are not held against us because of the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. But yet we find ourselves wondering when we're trying to make that connection with God, how can we do that? What is the most effective way that we can make a connection with God in acknowledging that new freedom that he has given us through his son, Jesus Christ? And one of the things that I have found in the Christmas gift-giving is even though I might not be really excited about a gift, one thing I always try to do is acknowledge the appreciation of the gift that was given to me, doesn't matter what it is. The fact that somebody has given me something, they've thought enough of me, regardless of how much they thought of me, it doesn't matter. They thought enough of me to provide me with a gift. And I know that the best way that I could acknowledge that is to show that appreciation for that gift, but I can show that appreciation for the thoughtfulness of the person. In fact, Lynn and I, we have figured out in our different love styles, and there is a little test that you can take in terms of what your love style is, that Lynn is a doer. She gives and receives love based on doing. I could care less about doing.
1: You don't have to do anything
0: for me, and I'm definitely not going to do anything for you. So if you're waiting for that to happen, it ain't going to happen. But, you know, because we know that and we understand that, when Lynn does something for me, when she does something around the house, she made a very nice dinner uh, the other evening, and I acknowledge that with appreciation. It may not how I show or give love, but I know it's how she shows and gives love, and I acknowledge that appreciation of what she did. And that went a long way, because you could tell, right? But I also know that... With Lynn, for me to show her love, I have to get off my tail end and do things for her. And that requires a little extra effort on my part. First of all, I have to be conscious of the fact that I need to do something. And then second of all, I've got to have the energy to put forth to do it. But you know what? She acknowledges it. And it's because she shows, she sees that I am showing her love in terms of how she understands it. So when we think about God's love for us, how do we perceive it? Do we show that appreciation of what God has done for us? Do we have that attitude that really identifies the fact that God does not hold anything against us? That God does not hold any of our wrongs against us? That God does not hold any of the sins that we have done in our lives against us? Does our attitude of appreciation acknowledge that fact? Do we acknowledge with appreciation the whole idea of what Christ did for us by doing what he did on the cross for each and every one of us? Do we acknowledge also with the appreciation that the presence of God is always there being with us, walking by our side, always there for the different challenges that we face? Because if we reflect on that appreciation, the attitude of acknowledging God's love for us in all of those different ways, the ways that you and I give and receive love, in the same way God does love us. And we see that in our understanding, in terms of our aptitude of realizing God's love for each and every one of us. That aptitude that in Christ we have that ability to do different things in our lives, to change our life, and to help people change their lives if they're willing to do so. And we back it up by action. In our appreciation, we show that we have the action and we put forth the things that God wants us to do. And we see within our own lives, as we implore those things to other people, the reality of our own lives. The reality of our own lives is that we always need to be accountable before God. And that's a good thing. You know, a lot of people, when they talk to me about different things, they are hung up on this whole idea of guilt. And I remind them that guilt is a good thing. It's how we understand that guilt. That guilt is not there to confine you. That guilt is not there to put you in a box. That guilt is not there to alienate you from God. It is there to make you accountable for your actions so the next time you won't do it. And that's the best thing that can happen for you in your life. So when you think of guilt, I, I want you to think about it, the fact that it's there to make you accountable so you can be better the next time. And I know when I think about things that I am guilty about, sometimes I have to remind myself of that, because I think it's a confinement. I get angry about it. God, if you have forgiven me of those things, why am I still being reminded of that? Now, some of that is not from God. Some of that is the own justification of the things that we want to do in that present moment in time. Some of that is from our adversary, the evil one, that wants to trip us up as we're trying to walk with God, puts back those intrusive thoughts in our lives that we wish we could forget. But we are never going to forget those things. It's how we deal with those things. You know the old saying, screw me once, shame on you, screw me twice, shame on me. Remember? You've heard that before, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And so those things are going to happen. But, you know, when we have those thoughts of the things in our lives that have been forgiven, that Christ has forgiven us, they're going to be there, but don't go there with them. You know, they're going to be those intrusive thoughts. But don't spend time there. Move on with it. Because the longer you spend time with those things, guess what happens? You go back to that exact place and time, and you start reliving those same emotions. So there's a reminder there that as we have that accountability before God, that God is there to try to make our lives better every day. And it is then that accountability that keeps us on the right path. It is that accountability that gives us that clear direction in our journey with God. Because we see that Christ's life, that his death, and his burial, and his resurrection, and his ascension was something in which it was motivated by love, 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 for each and every one of us. And so when we think about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we look at Christ, we see the perfect person that was given our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but when God took my sins on his son Jesus Christ, there was a lot of them. But yet that's how much God loves me, and that's how much God loves you. And it's something that we can't necessarily understand and explain in a rational way. You know, when God connects with us, you know, some of us are more cerebral than others. Some of us are more mystical than others. Some of us are more experiential than others. But you know what? God is always trying to make that connection. Because he wants you to see and understand how much love that he has for you. How much love that he has for each other. And he is motivated by that love within our daily lives. And that's how God wants us to see him. Not in the way that the world sees Jesus Christ, but how Christ is to be seen. And whether we like it or not, the scene of Jesus Christ in this world today is through us. It's through his church. And as we have talked about before, sometimes there's been a failure of the application of the true love of Christ to others. And we need to hold ourselves accountable to that. We need to acknowledge that. Many of us, if, especially if we grew up in the church in some form or fashion, some of us might have experienced some type of uncomfortability with the church and it's not properly showing the application of love that it should. But please always remember this, that the people that mistreated you if you were affiliated with the church, they too needed the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, just as you need that. And so when we have that application of Jesus Christ, when we understand the love of Christ that is for each and every one of us, we see that in that commitment to God, in that appreciation, He wants to find us to be committed to the things that he's doing. Committed as we show that application of the love of Christ to others. Convinced by the fact that Christ died for all. Convinced by the fact that in Christ we are a new creation. We are a new person. We experience new freedom in our lives. But we have to apply it. Without that application, it means absolutely nothing. And once again, all of those things remind us that we have that new freedom. God gives us unlimited love. And that means we have unlimited freedom. Not freedom to do whatever we want to do but freedom to do those things that reflect the love that God has for us. And whether you have connected with God in a cerebral way, whether you've connected with God in a mystical way, whether you've connected with God in an experiential way, it doesn't matter, because God has connected with you. Even within our own worship service, yes, a lot of these things that you see come out of my tradition, but we've also tried to alter the the tradition a little bit, to make connections with people that have an understanding of the church, whether it's singing the doxology, whether it's doing the Lord's Prayer together, whether it's having communion every time we meet it is there to make that connection, to show the application of Christ is done for us in so many different ways and some of you might be connected to my preaching, God help you but you know what That's what we're looking to try to do. And God is looking to you and to me in the same way. To make that connection with you. To make that connection with you so you understand in that practical application how much He does love you. How much He wants you to experience that new freedom that we have in Him. In all things. But it does require a commitment on us. And that commitment on us is to be reconciled to him. And reconciliation, if I want you to remember anything about this sermon, is reconciliation is where you have forgiveness and trust applied together. There you have reconciliation. So when God forgives us of our sins, when he forgives us for all of our wrongs, He adds another element to us that we don't deserve, and that is trust. He's trusting you to do the right thing. He's trusting you to have that accountability that you will make the best decision possible in that circumstance. Because in doing so, you cannot have reconciliation. Reconciliation is not complete until you add the element of trust to forgiveness. And it applies to even our own personal relationships. I think of some people that reconciliation will never be possible, and that's fine. But I do have relationships in my life where reconciliation is possible. And because I want the relationship with the person, I have the responsibility to add trust to it when I forgive. Does that make sense? Because I value the relationship. Whether they value the relationship with me is irrelevant. I want the relationship. And if they have wronged me, I have to forgive. I have to trust for there to be reconciliation. Even if that means they've never asked for forgiveness from me. If I value the relationship. In the same way, that's how much Christ loves you. He values that personal relationship with you. That's why the scriptures tell us that we are reconciled in Christ, that we are a new creation, because he not only has he forgiven you, but he trusts you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the element of trust and people applying it to my life, that's a tremendous responsibility when somebody is trusting you. But that's how love is shown. That's how love is demonstrated. That's how reconciliation is possible. And we see that. And we acknowledge, wish, appreciation, the love that God has given us, the trust that he has bestowed on us to exercise that new freedom, that new liberty that we find in Christ in a very special way. One in which each day of our lives reflects that love. And hey, you're not going to be perfect at it. I am not perfect at it. You know, I went to the Santan Mall last night to pick up some food for our occasion that we had, and there was a lot of traffic. There was not a lot of nice things being said out of my mouth while I was in traffic. Okay? I would be condemned if you heard those things. And you would say, well, I haven't heard some of those words in a long time. (laughs) But you know what? That's the honesty about our relationship with Christ. Because after that was over with, I said, God, I'm so... And it was just me. I, I was just me, just me and God. Nobody else heard those things. But I asked God to forgive me for not having the right attitude about those things. And I found myself singing worship songs. I don't know where they came from. You know what I mean? You just find yourself singing. You're like, I haven't sang that song in years. Where did that come from? And I started singing some worship songs that I haven't heard in a long time. But see, that was a reminder to me that, hey, you know what? You're holding yourself accountable. You knew you did some things, and obviously it's not made for public knowledge, right? You acknowledge the forgiveness that you have. You move on. I understand that you're holding yourself accountable. And then you find yourself singing worship songs, right? And that's the relationship that God wants us to have. It's never going to be a perfect one, even though Jesus Christ was himself perfect. And went to the cross as a perfect person so he could take on the sins of all of mankind. But God holds us accountable, yet in that accountability we have that new freedom as we walk with God each day. Amen. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for communion as we partake together as one body of believers in Jesus Christ. And I practice open communion here, which means if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, you are welcome to take communion with me. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you've reminded us of that love that you have for us. And that as we confess our sins before you, you remind us that you do trust us because you do forgive us and you always want that reconciliation. God, we know that we are a long way from getting it right and we're a long way away from perfection, but you remind us again and again that in that accountability, we have that new freedom in Christ. And Lord, we thank you for this time that we can publicly testify to that relationship that we have, to that new freedom by taking communion together as a body of believers in Jesus Christ. And we praise you, God. Amen. from the Lord what I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let us partake together in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you'll proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let us partake together Closing hymn this morning is number 244. Go tell it on the mountain. get here with that hymn.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we have this time to worship you, God, and remind us of the accountability that you want us to have in you so that we can live a better life each day. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.